Has your local footy club had a recent clangor or challenge? Well, Amy is here to help. The Amy Clangers for Good competition is back for 2024. This year, Amy are donating $10 for every clangor recorded during the AFL season with eight community clubs in the chance to win up to $15,000. If you want your club to go into the running in 100 words or less, tell us how Amy can help your club bounce back from a recent challenge. Enter now at amy.com.au forward slash clangers for good. That's amy.com.au forward slash clangers for good. T's and C's apply. Cobram Estate is the most awarded Australian extra virgin olive oil. Let it be the hero when entertaining family and friends. Cobram Estate extra virgin olive oil is fresh and full of flavour. Perfect for roasting, frying, baking, dressing salads and for dipping bread. Make your food taste even better with a little help from Cobram Estate. Premium quality, great tasting and a versatile, healthy alternative. Buy in store at all major retailers. Hi, this is the Dill and Friends podcast. I'm Deborah, Dylan's mum. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you like the show as much as I do. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. G'day guys and welcome to another episode of Dill and Friends. Wow, what an absolute pleasure I have today in introducing my new guest. One-time gold, two-time bronze medalist at the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. At 18 years of age, it's my great mate, Kyle Chalmers. Thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. How are you going? Yeah, going well, thanks, mate. Uh, I feel very honoured and privileged to be a part of this show, so thanks for having me on today. That's incredible, mate. You're an Australian hero and most importantly, as you said now, you're a Dylan Friends alumni. Um, big fan, I'm presuming? Yeah, big fan. Uh, don't miss the <laughs> podcast, so yeah, I'm uh, right into it. Mate, and what I'd normally like to do is talk to the, view, uh, sorry, the listeners of how we first met. Uh, <laughs> over Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I've just slipped into the DMs hard. Yeah, slipped into them and uh, yeah, it sat there for a little bit. I didn't know that you'd ask. I don't don't check them too often, to be honest with you. And uh, luckily I did and, um, you know, replied straight away to make sure I got to be a part of this uh, very exciting <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I thought you might have, um, yeah, I thought you might have just read that and just kept it on read and it would have been a bit awkward. But um, no, mate, I'm very happy to have you on. Uh, massive fan of yours and um, can't wait to get into it. Hey, thanks for that. Appreciate it. So, mate, let's uh, let's start at the start because I suppose that's a good way to um, start it. Uh, early life, you're, you're from Port Lincoln, um, obviously a, an Australian swimmer, um, got the footy footy genes in the family as well. Um, what Talk us through your younger years and sort of how you got into it. Yeah, so I grew up in country South Australia, so about seven hours away from Adelaide um, is where I guess my old man decided to move after uh, his AFL career had finished up and... Um, that's where all my extended family for, were from. So we moved back there when I was about three years old um, and didn't quite get into swimming until I guess I was about nine, nine probably ten. I um, had a swimming pool in my backyard, so I guess I could comfortably swim um, 50 metres, which was uh, pretty handy. Obviously, Port Lincoln's surrounded by ocean and quite a number yeah. of sharks as well. So oh, yeah. um, learned to swim at a young age and... Uh, compulsory for our PE was to um, to learn to swim and I guess uh, I got selected to swim for the school and um, did a ride at the school swimming carnival and ended up coming to Adelaide in 2008 and uh, doing pretty well at the Sapsaza carnival and making the, the state team um, and then it's kind of yeah progressed on from there I guess 2012 was when I we we as a family decided to move to Adelaide not necessarily 
for uh, for sport, but probably education. Um, you know, yeah. Adelaide, all the big cities kind of have that that more prestigious uh, college life, I guess. But um, but yeah, the better schools and education, and obviously, um, my goal growing up was to to get into uni and um, and I guess make something with myself there and set myself up well. But um, yeah, I guess swimming kind of took over in two thousand and. 12, I represented Australia for the first time on a junior Australian team. And, um, yeah, it's just – it's really progressed since then. Yeah, that's unreal. And, um, you, like you just mentioned then, your old man, um, he did play – he was a sample superstar, obviously. And then when the AFL came into it, he played with Port and Adelaide. Yeah. Was there ever any of that pressure to, to chuck the boots on? Yeah, for me, I grew up kind of wanting to play AFL. That's uh, always been a dream of mine and probably still is, even though now I realise that it's yeah. – uh, not as achievable, but um, uh, yeah, I guess growing up, I always wanted to follow him, old man's footsteps. Uh, I probably got into Auskick at the age of four, I think, um, and then, yeah, played footy right through until I moved to Adelaide and uh, kept kicking on while I was over here, uh, played played just school footy and um, went out to Glenelg and try, tried my luck at it, but um, yeah, swimming kind of took over and I guess, I guess for me growing up... Um, Wanting to be a football player, I saw swimming as a great way to keep fit uh, for footy. Obviously, yeah. footy's a winter sport, um, especially in the country. So swimming was all year round, and it gave me that that extra fitness to. I kind of tried to do everything I could to to be the best football player I could as a as a kid, and um, I guess that's what kept me going in swimming. And you know, I probably probably didn't really enjoy it growing up. Um, I never really had a love or passion for it uh growing up in the country it was always basketball cricket and footy and um there was never too many swimmers coming out of port lincoln so i guess i didn't have a whole lot of i guess people to look up to but um port lincoln's a pretty good footy factory really we've had a lot of um great players get drafted out of there um so that that was always my dream like you said and to follow my dad's footsteps but it wasn't until probably 2015 when i made the world championship swim team that I decided that uh, I'd actually knuckle down and give it a good crack. Yeah, right. So how old have you been then? Uh, so I was 16 at the time. I, I made yeah. qualified for the world championships team. So I flew across to Sydney uh, to race at the, the Open Nationals uh, or World Champs trials. Uh, had never had a real crack against, I guess, the big boys at the time. So James Magnuson, James Roberts, Cam McAvoy, um, Grant Hackett was swimming there. All the kind of big dogs on the Australian swim team, I'd never really had that opportunity of racing against. So for me, it was about going over there and getting that experience. And, um, you know, I wasn't wasn't expecting anything really. I, I flew up the day before my race, um, got thrown in a room with a few of the older boys that I'd never met before um, from Adelaide and um, swam the heats, made it through the semifinals just. I think I went through rank 16th into the semifinal. Um, and I was an outside lane and I remember really not probably wanting to make the final because I knew, you know, the cameras and the TV and all that stuff kind of intimidated me as a 16-year-old. Yeah, um, yeah. And with all those big guys around. Um, and anyway, I was on the outside lane, so I couldn't really see anyone and ended up swimming really well and, and making the final. And, um, uh, yeah, mate, qualified for the World Champs team in 2015. I think I was ranked fourth um, after that. And, uh, so I was the second youngest guy to ever qualify or represent Australia in swimming and very daunting yeah, wow. sort of a thing. But for me, it was about getting back to Adelaide and playing footy. So my dad was coaching the first 18s um, at school and I wanted to get home and I'd kind of done the bit of preseason and uh, I was ready to come back and play. And 
came home, uh, played a game in the seconds, um, ended up getting a call up to the first the week after and uh, the first quarter cracked the bone in my wrist and then the, the last quarter did the ligaments in my ankle. So that was uh, my my fault, but um, got the call up from the Australian swimming coach and a few other people and yeah, they kind of told me that it was the, the time to make the decision whether I was going to follow footy or swimming and I guess at that stage I'd signed on to swim for Australia that year. So um, yeah, it was a really hard decision to make and um, but I think if now I know that I've made the right decision. I, I really enjoy what I do and um, and have done, done a ride in it so far. So uh, but yeah, so signed on and swam for Australia and, and went on to, to represent Australia in 2015 at the World Championships. That's incredible, man. But yeah, like, <laughs> I agree. Like uh, Playing footy and swimming at the same time, like getting bashed up, broken wrist, broken ankle, it's just swimming's uh, it's a better choice, I think, in that term for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's not too many injuries we can really get in swimming. So, um, and I don't think my body was was designed really to play footy. Probably like my dad's, he kind of broke down with a few injuries towards yeah. the end of his career. But um, but uh, but yeah. So I think I definitely made the right choice. So you're 16. You just qualified for the world champs. In two years' time, you're going to be at the Olympic Games. Um, you said before you're training with older teammates. Um, around that time, um, it's incredible. You probably don't feel like you really belong. But talk me through that that Olympic Games because at the time you probably weren't the favourite really to win that that gold medal, were you? Nah, not at all. I um, I remember making the team. Um, the it was in in Adelaide actually, so I was a seventeen year old. Um, they had the the Olympic trials here in Adelaide, which was a massive advantage for me. Um, had plenty of fr- friends and family come and watch, and uh, I think I knew that I was a good shot of making the team. Um, I'd kind of thrown everything at it really I, I decided that 2016 was going to be year 12 at school for me as well as um, obviously the Olympic year so I decided that school wasn't going to be for me that year and I'd, I'd put myself in a pretty good position that I'd done a year 12 subject in year 10 and then a couple in year 11 so that year 12 I only had to do one um, which meant yeah. minimal time at school so I decided that I wasn't going to go to school at all if I was actually going to be able to make the training sessions um, with our high performance program in South Australia. So I uh, started, did that one subject at home um, and which meant I could train seven till nine in the mornings. So that little bit more sleeping, kind of rest and recover during the day. So I'm a big napper. So I have that two hour nap in the day, which is pretty crucial and um, and then be back to training at about three o'clock in the afternoon to to go go pretty hard in the Arvos is when we do our key sessions. So I knew that I'd kind of sacrificed for me. Well, like I said, growing growing up, I wanted to I wanted to really get into psychology at uni. So um, throwing away year twelve was was a hard thing for me. But I knew that I could get my year twelve certificate um, doing it the way I was going to do it. And then there's plenty of pathways into uni. So um, so yeah, kind of threw everything at swimming. Um, had the trials here was. Wasn't a favourite. Obviously, I'd made the world champs team bef- the year before, so I had a little bit of experience and uh, knew that I could probably make a relay team. And if I got lucky, I reckon I thought I could make a make an individual spot. So, which is top two, and then you have to go under the qualifying time as well. So, um, yeah, the the hundred free I en- ended up qualifying for um, as a yeah, like I said, a seventeen year old and um, in front of a home crowd and family and. Uh, which was a very, very exciting thing. I kind of had sacrificed a whole lot to do that. And I remember going home and not being able to sleep that night and being very overwhelmed about it all, really. Uh, and 
I think we had a we had a pretty well a staging camp straight off the back of that. We had two nights as a whole team in Adelaide uh, in the city. We kind of got together and uh, discussed discussed a lot of things. Kind of went through a like our uniform, um, you know, sizing and that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, it was it was a very overwhelming, I guess, forty eight hours and took a while to to sink in that I was actually going to be going to the Olympic Games and um, you know something I guess I'd dreamed about for a few years and. It was um, yeah, very exciting period for me and my family. So you say like in that as well, you 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 were hoping just to qualify, but how can you win? Like you, you must have deep down just known you were going to win. Like you you must have that belief in yourself. Like once you once you qualified, once you qualify that day, you must know that you got a chance in the final. Yeah. So I guess uh, how do I how do I say it? I. Once I'd made the team, I kind of sat down with my coach and decided to to make the final. We thought that the time would be about a forty seven point five seconds. Um, you know, going off what history history had done at the Olympics and how the guys were swimming around the world, and um, you know, I'd swam a PB to get on the time on the team, so I had to then drop another half a second to make the final, which was which was ultimately my goal was to make the final of the Olympics. Um, so I kind of did again, did everything I possibly could to swim that time at the Olympic Games. Um, you know, Tuesday, Thursday afternoons, I'd go in and do my own sessions and work on my skills. I was doing beach swims just to get those extra Ks in the arms. Um, kind of just did everything possible to to get as fit as I could and um, be as confident as I could going into the Olympics. And obviously, I knew that the eyes weren't going to be on me; they were going to be on Cam McAvoy, who was going into the Olympics the fastest. Fastest guy ever in the world. Um, he was going in at a forty-seven point zero seconds, and I remember one of my mates looking into the odds on Sportsbet or whatever, and he was paying about a dollar oh six, and I was uh, fifty-four dollars, and we kind of had a bit of a laugh about Jesus. it. Um, but yeah, I guess you know you got to have you got to have that confidence and belief in yourself. I think um, I look at UFC fighters or boxers; they go into the ring believing that they're going to win no matter what, uh, even yeah. if they're versing the best person in the world or or whatnot, and you know, I think swimming's kind of the same. If no one goes to the Olympics to lose, um, everyone in that final is there to win and do their absolute best. So, um, I guess the Olympic, the Olympic campaign for me was um, was was making that final. That was my goal. But I think once I'd done that, I I fully believed in myself that I could win. And um, yeah, I guess the day day one, I had. Um, a day off, so I sat there and watched. And Mac Horton won the 400 freestyle, and uh, the girls won the four by one freestyle relay. And I remember how excited I got about that. And day two, it was my turn to have my first swim, and we had a four by one freestyle relay. And I swam pretty well in the morning, and and it didn't feel hard. It felt very comfortable, which is a which is a real bonus in swimming. Yeah. The, the easier it feels, and and the faster it is, it's it's really handy. So <laughs> went into the final. Um, I think we were ranked maybe third. Uh, I got on the block standing in um, in the second position, so I went second. And standing next to me was Michael Phelps. So um, yeah. it was a you know a real throw into the deep end right away. Really, like I, I stood up against Michael, and uh, we ended up getting a bronze medal. And for me, that was that was unbelievable to win an Olympic medal. It was like the world's best thing, really, at that time. And um, to do it with three of my best mates was was very special. But I'd swam well, like I'd swam really well in those relays that gave me confidence going into my individual race. So um, went into the heats. Obviously, at the time, I think I was ranked 
maybe seventh um, going into the into it. So I might have been in the last heat of a uh, last heat in the morning. Um, on my left, I had the defending Olympic champion Nathan Adrian, uh, and it's all about kind of learning how these guys race and um, and sticking to your race plan as best as you can. So I know Nathan historically goes out pretty fast, and uh, for me, my back end's where I where I kind of excel. So yeah. Yeah. The way out, I, I turned eighth. Um, Nathan kind of went out with me. I don't know whether he was kind of watching what I was doing or or he got caught up in the race, but he was out and uh, and I came home in a twenty four point two seconds, which is the like the fastest yeah, back incredible. end ever done. Yeah. Um, so that after that, you know, like I kind of got back into the village and all the Aussies were getting around me and um, you know telling me what I'd done and. It just gave me all this confidence, and after the heat, I, I believed that I could actually, uh, you know, yeah. go on and win the race. So momentum, um, yeah, momentum—it's a huge thing. Like you swim well once, and it kind of just spurs you on to swim. But you know, I guess the heats are—the heats are about seventy-two hours, or maybe not that long, maybe sixty hours, I guess, before the final. Really, you know, you go, you go the semi-final that night. Uh, it's a long. It was a long time sitting around between the semi-final. Uh, we raced. In Rio, they they had the TV rights, so we end up racing about one AM um, Brazil time. Oh wow! So yeah, from racing about ten o'clock in the morning to one AM was a was a huge stretch. But um, but yeah, then again, swam well in the semifinals and and put myself in the best position um, to swim well again in the final. I think I went into the final rank second. Um, but again, knew that knew that I'd be a really good chance to to win it if I stuck to my race plan and. I uh, didn't sleep the night of the semi-final. I was so happy that I'd actually qualified for the final and I think that was yeah. a huge stress relief for me really because I'd kind of gone there and I guess achieved what I wanted to. Um, so, yeah, kind of had that night, no sleep, got up in the morning and went in for a light swim. I swam 500 metres and had a massage and, and then went home and played PlayStation for most of the day with, with Cam McAvoy because we were actually in an apartment together in Rio. and. Um, I spoke to my coach just before I got on the bus to go to the pool because my coach was back here in Adelaide uh, and all he said to me was, fuck him, that's all he told me to do. So um, he knew that I knew my race plan. We'd kind of been working on it for six months leading into the Olympics. Um, It's funny how things work out, you know, like we'd we'd kind of broken down the race that I wanted to be at in 23.0 seconds and back in 24.5 seconds. So training for the last six months, those were the times I was trying to hit constantly as, as often as I could just to, I guess, practice swimming at those races, I mean those paces, um, and, you know, you'd get that muscle memory. And I guess going into the final, I kind of um, looked looked down the end of the pool and, and just smiled and knew that I'd put in so much hard work to get there. And, um, you know, I could see my family up in the crowd and there's 15,000 people there. It was just wild and... Um, I guess you know all I knew that I had to do was was swim my race, and I'd be a very good shot of winning it. And uh, yeah, it ended up ended up working out for me, which was a which was a real bonus. Nah, it's incredible, man. I still remember that race. It was absolutely absolutely incredible. And my favorite my favorite thing of all is the is the vision that they had of your grandparents um, <laughs> watching the race. Oh, I'm a I'm a big baby. I teared up watching that for sure. It was absolutely incredible. Um, as much as everyone was happy in Australia. As much as we, we all wanted to get around you, there was one man I just feel for. And it's poor Cam McAvoy. He's one of your good mates. Yeah. He's a, he's in prime condition. He's your roommate and you've and you've gone and won the gold medal in front of him. Surely he must have hated you. Yeah, it was it was a very hard 
moment, I guess, for the both of us. Like we'd we'd been we were great. We well, we still are great mates. But you know, yeah. we've done we've done everything together. I think he I think he hates you. To be yeah, honest. Yeah, Steve, he hates me. I still love him. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he just pretends to like me now. But um, yeah, I guess you know we'd done everything together those two weeks leading into the Olympics. I'd been training with his coach because mine wasn't there and. We're in that apartment together, so we've been playing PlayStation, eating meals together, traveling into the pool together, and kind of formed a really good relationship. I remember, obviously, the Olympics was my first time swimming individually, and I remember the heat session. The heat, well, my my heats um, came introducing me to most of the guys in the room, and um, so yeah, I guess when I touched the wall and kind of saw my name first, my next look was to see where what Cam had done and where he was, and. Um, you know, it was a really hard moment because I wanted to celebrate, but then I wanted to be there for Cam and kind of, you know, support him. And um, I'm lucky that he's just such a good sportsman and a great yeah. person that he kind of got around me and um, let me do my thing. And, you know, I guess at the end of the day, we still had to travel back to the village together and be in the same room together. And, um, yeah, I guess, you know, it was, it was a hard thing, but, um, but he handled it really well. And mm. I think... There's a lot of pressure at Olympic Games, obviously, especially if you swim well that that year before the Olympics at World Championships and then he almost broke the world record at the trials. So I guess everyone had their eyes on him and was expecting great things from him. And, um, you know, he kind of did media those three weeks leading into it and everyone was watching him on pool deck and I know his Instagram blew up and um, all these small things that all probably just caught up to him and um, yeah, yeah just, just affected him on the day. But... Uh, fingers crossed he, he bounces back from that. I know he's still probably on the building phase, and um, but he's a very crucial part of our Australian swim team and uh, especially for our relays. Yeah, 100%. Man. I suppose um, 2020 coming up the Olympics, it'll be a good time for him then to, to bounce back if um, if he can grab it off you. Yeah, definitely. You know, if there's if there's one person in the world that I'm ever going to lose to and be happy losing to, it's probably Cam. Um, you know, I'm not someone that, that likes losing, obviously, but um, but yeah, he's a great mate of mine, and and uh, yeah, hopefully he can uh, bounce back and start swimming some really fast times again. No, he seems like a river dude, river dude. Yeah. Um, mate, you talk about after the gold medal, you're on cloud nine, heading back to the Olympic Village. Um, as us as us supporters of the Olympic Games and Australian athletes, we hear a lot of rumors, a lot of rumors <laughs> about this Olympic Village. Can you can you indulge us? What what actually goes on? Mate, it's um, it's undescribable, really. You know, I, I rocked up there the first day, not knowing what to expect, and um, you know, it's like the Olympics is just a next level thing. You know, you have the men's USA basketball team there, you have Usain Bolt running, you have the best tennis players in the world, Michael Phelps in the pool. Um, you know, it's just this unbelievable event that um, for me, I was just a small fish, a small fish in a big pond. Really, like there's just unbelievable athletes everywhere. There's probably you know fifteen, twenty thousand people there. Um, it's a very overwhelming experience, especially to start with. Like for me, the first few days it was like Pau Gasol, um, you know, playing for the Spurs at the time. But I saw him at breakfast, had to get a photo with him. Yeah, then sat next to Rafael Nadal for breakfast. Um, you know, every you just see these people, and it's like far out, like. It's um it's very surreal, but yeah, I guess for me the first coming back from um from I think it was the relay actually no nah, it was the gold medal night that I'd won actually I was coming back and sitting on the well, you are the you are the Usain Bolt of the pool <laughs> I wasn't at the time 
<laughs> I wasn't at the time. I'm still not quite at that level, but you know, I'm working towards it. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. But yeah, I got I got back, got on the bus, and um, the Argentina team was staying in the same apartment building as us. And Manu Ginobili and Luis Scola, two NBA players, were on the bus with me. And Manu kind, and I was like in awe just looking at the guys and Manu turned to me and was like oh you're that guy that won tonight aren't you and I, oh yeah he's like oh where's your medal and I pulled it out of my pocket and he um you know told me a story of how when they won in Athens he didn't take the medal off for so long and oh my god photo with the medal and for That's me that incredible. was like the most unbelievable experience I had and yeah um I guess the first the first week and a half was serious um, serious work, like obviously that's when the swimming swimming wrapped up, and we had a had a week to enjoy the perks of living in this uh, unbelievable sporting. Um, I don't even know how to explain it. Just building, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's a crazy experience and something that I want to go back just for that. Really, like yeah. you know, like they've got an all you can eat macas that you, it's it's free and um, wow, just the, the small things that all add up and just make it just the most unbelievable experience for you. Uh, but yeah, the, I mean. The partying's great. Like, obviously, everyone kind of goes out that next week and you make lifelong friends from all over the world. And uh, my second week probably didn't turn out how I'd planned. I'd, I kind of had planned to do, go see as many sports as I can. And uh, after winning uh, comes a lot of, I guess, media attention and attention from, from Australia. And I spent two or three days doing media and, and then kind of just got so run down that I ended up with um, pneumonia. So... Uh, was was pretty well bedridden with that for the next four or five days until we flew are you home. Sure, so, are you sure it was from the um from the media, mate, or was it just from going too hard? Nah, not going hard. I only <laughs> went out two of the nights. I was shattered. Went out the first yeah. night. That was kind sleep. of my first because you didn't sleep for two weeks. Out. It just turned into two big nights. It did. It did turn into <laughs> two big nights. It was huge. But I guess I was only eighteen at the time, so it was my first experience of going out, and um, yeah, yeah. So I guess all those little things would have knocked me around to uh to get ended up with pneumonia, but it went went around the team <laughs> real bad. Everyone kind of had it, and was uh was pretty pretty knocked around for for about a week there, so wasn't good. <laughs> um, in the village, what are what are the sports that just get up to the most mischief? Like the ones that you just got, you just got to steer clear of these people. Oh, the athletics, athletics people, I don't know why I think swimming, swimmers kind of clash with the athlete, athletics people for some reason. Yeah, um, right. For me, I look at them and they kind of, you know, pretty upbeat, um, look at me sort of athletes getting yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, yeah, they sing and dance a bit, but, um, and they're <laughs> kind of the second week as well. So when we're trying to be serious and compete, they're kind of having their fun and, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess there's a lot of sports that people would just look up to, like the USA basketball team. Obviously, don't stay in the village, but they come in. They came in and out a bit. But uh, yeah, right, and yeah. you know, everyone would come into the the food hall and see them when they were there. I remember one day I was sitting there having breakfast, and Usain Bolt walked into the food hall. Like he was getting food taken up to him most days. That's um, And he walked in, and kind of everyone in the food hall stood up to go over and try and get a photo with him, and. Um, I guess that's when you really know you've made it as an athlete when every other athlete in the village yeah. wants a photo with you and, and knows who you are. So uh, I could, couldn't imagine kind of being in that, that position, but it's, uh, it's a very cool thing. No, you never know, mate. 2020, it's your year, I reckon. Hey, let's uh, hopefully have a good year this year and uh, build my name up a little bit before <laughs> then. <laughs> what about the countries? Is it, is, it, is it the Australians? Do we get up to mischief or is it the Americans? Who's, who's, the, um, who's normally best on? 
I reckon the Australians would have to be best on most of the time. There's always a uh, is a it few good? Party is it good Australian party animals? Or is it like barley barley Australians? Oh, there's a bit of a mixture. I reckon. <laughs> I reckon there's a few. There's a few good Australians getting on, but uh, but yeah, no no real pranks that I can that I can think of that happen. But yeah. I think Australians kind of go hard. I know a lot of the countries kind of. Once they're finished their their sport or their their competition, they get sent straight out. So mm. um, the Australians kick on and and they get to live for the the week after the, which is good. Touchdown, Cleveland! What the heck are you doing down there, man? Well, thanks for asking, Dylan. I'm actually watching the NFL. I'm following the great Odell Beckham Jr. because he was seen in the Ricks Eyewear Champagne Orbits. And if you didn't know, he actually used to play for the New York Yankees before the Cleveland Browns. You hate the NFL. Oh, well, well, not anymore. Not after I saw the great Odell Beckham Jr. wearing those Champagne Orbits looking sexy AF. Well, that's Rick frickin' fanristic. It sure is. And the best part about it is they're good for your retinas because they're polarised. I tell you what, Dylan, it's good to know that you can feel safe and look sexy and also sophisticated in your Rick's Eyewear. <laughs> yeah, head to rickseyewear.com.au to be sexy, safe and sophisticated. Oh yeah, Rick's Eyewear, baby. Another my favourite part about the Olympics is the Olympic tattoo. Um, I know you've got one. Yeah. What's the what's the rule with this? I feel like there's a rule once you once you compete and you get a place, it's you've got like a 24 hour window to get that tattooed on. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's the the rule, <laughs> especially when you're in Brazil. I think you uh, find the closest tattoo parlor and uh, don't look at their qualifications. You just go get it done. <laughs> no, I think for me, growing up, like you see these guys walking around pool deck with the Olympic rings tattoos, and I I was always in awe of them, and it was like, oh, if I ever make the Olympics, I'll definitely be getting the getting the rings. Um, oh, yeah. And I came home, and it probably only took me a week before I went down and, and got it done. Um, I wanted to wait until I was back in Adelaide and and knew the artist and could kind of talk through what I actually wanted. Yeah, um, <laughs> to make sure I end up with something that was looked half decent. Um, yeah. But yeah, everyone kind of ended up with it within a, a week or two of being home. I knew I know a lot of the guys kind of got off the plane in in Australia and went straight to the tattoo parlor and got it done. Yeah. So. Is there anyone that's got a real a real stinker that just rushed it and just really regrets it? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I know that <laughs> there's a few of the guys that got them when they were probably a bit drunk and got them at the wrong places and theirs have leaked already. And oh, I know no. the, the color ones start to fade a bit, like especially if you jump back in the pool straight away, like there's a little yeah, bit of yeah, a window yeah. and a lot of the colored ones fade pretty quickly or if you go out in the sun, they fade. So. There's a few that are looking a bit rough, but I think once people's swimming careers are done, they'll uh, get them touched up. And I know, I know, mine's starting to fade quite a lot now, but that's just the amount of time we spend in the pool that it, it takes a toll on them. Mm. And obviously, you've won gold. You you get one. But what's the what's the general consensus amongst amongst the athletes? Like, is it you have to place to get one, or do you just get one for for going to the Olympics? I know it's a massive achievement getting there, but do you have to place to to get one, or is it more just go for it? Nah, it's just go for it. I think uh, most people would have ended up with them after the Olympics. I know that there's, you know, some people that probably think they're a bit too prestigious to to get the tattoo done. Um, but I'd say that there would have been eighty percent of the team that would have it done at least now. And uh, you know, to make to make the Olympics, you have to be top eight in the world. But that's a uh, qualifying is to be uh, top eight 
top eight ranked in the world at the time. So it's a it's a hard team to make as it is. And then uh, if you go on to swim well, it's um, a bit more of an achievement as well. But yeah, I think yeah. anyone can get it done as long as you as long as you've been there. That's that's probably the only rule I think. Okay, so I can't go get one then. Not yet, oh, anyway. Hey, I wouldn't question you, mate. If you had a time, <laughs> I know I know there's a lot of coaches that have been to the Olympics and end up with with tattoos. So you know, <laughs> oh no, you, that is not cool. What you should do, you should go uh, sign up for a SADA and go over there as a drug tester and I and get one. Get yeah, get- <laughs> <laughs> been to the Olympic Games. Um, 2020, we spoke about it earlier, but what's a training prep look like now? From now to then, what's what have you got to tick off? Yeah, I guess it has all started to ramp up again now. Um, it's it's pretty well just doing doing what I did before 2016, um, and if not refining on a few things, I think I'm back swimming fast. It's been a while, I guess, since I did like Rio. I did a PB, obviously 47.5. Um, finally, did a PB again last or in April here in Adelaide. I went 47.4 at our nationals, so. It's good to be back swimming fast um, and confident with it, with what I'm doing, and uh, I think for me it's just about getting my skills skills better. I know that they're not quite up to world class yet with my turns and dives, and it's something that's kind of always held me back. So it's something I'm working pretty hard on. But I know my fitness is right up there, probably the fittest I've been, and uh, I'm a little bit more older and mature now. So I think my strength and uh, and those those natural things have started to improve as well. So. I'm excited for for obviously next year, but I uh, obviously World Champs is July this year, which is a major focus for me. I've um, ticked a few boxes now. I've done done a ride at Com Games and Pan Packs and ticked a national title off my my list. And and World Champs is something I haven't haven't done too well at yet. So um, I'd love to love to swim well at the World Champs in South Korea and hopefully come away with a medal. And um, but yeah, I guess everything's starting to ramp up for for Tokyo 2020 and. Uh, the preparations are in full swing, but you know it's kind of just doing what I'm doing and and probably just trying to stay as calm and relaxed as I can. Uh, I think we'll probably look to spend a fair bit of time away from uh, from Adelaide just to to avoid the hype. Um, you know, there's a lot of hype that comes with the Olympics. I know tickets have already gone on sale now, and wow. you know I'm already starting to get heaps of people hit me up about about what to do with tickets and, and that sort of thing, which is, um, you know, a bit of a distraction as an athlete, uh, which is probably not a distraction you really need. It's For me, it's about focusing on making the team first and then yeah, um, doing what I can to, to swim well over there. Yeah, 100%, man, yeah. Um, can totally agree. I think uh, the old ticket thing, like I would never ask you for tickets, but, you know, if you did want to swing some my way at some stage, and that I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't say no either. I always love Tokyo, and um, hey, mate, I'll definitely, yet. definitely keep you in mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, keep me in mind. I put me on the put me on the backlist. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a difficult thing to get Olympic tickets. <laughs> like obviously, um, yeah, I, I can't even get tickets for my family, my my mum and dad to go. You know, they go into a into a ballot. Yeah, right. You can't even get your family tickets. Nah, so you go into a ballot now. So everyone's putting their names into the hat, and then you kind of get a heap of different sports, and then you kind of trade for for what you do want. So obviously, oh, yeah. they'll be. They'll be wanting the swimming, so they'll they'll look to trade with, you know, parents that probably want to go to volleyball or the other sports there. So it's a it's a challenging thing and a very very costly thing to do. But um, you know, I guess going to an Olympic Games to to be yeah. a spectator is a is a once in a lifetime sort of a thing. So yeah, I'm if you sure. are thinking about doing it, I'd be uh putting your putting your name in the ballot now. Yeah, I might jump in. I'll do it after this. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> worth doing, mate. So the old man we talked about it earlier, but he played for Port and Adelaide. That yeah. leaves you with a bit of a pickle. Who are you supporting? Oh, I'm a huge Port Adelaide fan. I can't, Adelaide. can't stand Adelaide. Really? <laughs> yeah, no, not a fan at all. So, wow. 
I guess Adelaide Adelaide is is footy's religion here, really. So yeah. um, you're either an Adelaide supporter or a Port Adelaide supporter, and if you're on the other side, uh, if you're on the losing side, it's uh, never a happy week for you. No, hundred um, <laughs> percent. That that explains. But when the rumours, like there was a few rumours going around a while back that you were you did want to code switch post post we talked about it earlier. But was there any truth to that? Did you were you actually trying to get into the footy? I know you said before you wanted to play, but is there still any truth to that you would want to chuck on the boots at some stage, or is it too far gone now? Um, I guess at that at that point, I definitely did. I think um, you know, there was there's that category B rookie. Obviously, you don't have to be involved in a footy club for for two years, and you can be a category B rookie. So I know that um, there've been a few things said that kind of got me thinking that way. Um. And probably made me go, well, like I could actually give it a crack. And I, yeah. um, I guess I did, did an article and kind of um, got really, I, I, I guess my words really got turned on me, how I, how I said it. Um, and it got blown up pretty badly. Well, not badly. I mean, it, but it got posted on, you know, Channel 7 footy and yeah. Fox footy and these pages that I see every day on Facebook. And I kind of made me really think like, you know, is it actually a possibility or am I kind of just putting too much pressure on myself by saying that or, or whatnot? But I think, um, you know, I think after 2020, I'll definitely reassess what I'm going to do with swimming. I think yeah. I want to swim on. Uh, it is a very taxing sport. Obviously, we spend about 50 hours a week at the pool so, and we only get two weeks off a year really. So, it's a, it's a taxing sport to do. But I think for me, I want to play country footy. So, I'm good mates with big Sam Jacobs and yep. I'll uh, – Look to probably head down to uh, his old old hometown, Ardrossan, and play country footy down there for the Kangaroos, and uh, and probably get on with the real world. I think Obviously, I'm studying psychology at uni at the moment, so it'd be good to tick a few subjects off and, and get a bit more into that. And um, but I think I'll definitely be be swimming on in in 2020 in some capacity. But I think uh, AFL for me is definitely off the cards, and I I I don't think it was possible anyway. You know I. I've kind of grown up with a lot of guys that have been been good good enough to you know get a look in at AFL or, or get drafted, and I know how hard it is actually to make a list. And um, you know, I, I don't think that I'd have the the talent to be able to actually do it. And you know, I wouldn't want to do it just for the, I guess the clubs, you know, get gets to say that you know I'm on their list at that time, yeah. or you know, you you can kind of. You can always go back to footy from swimming, but if I was to do that and you know get put on a list for a year and play play in the sandful or whatever, and and you know I probably wouldn't go back to swimming from there because you, you, your body composition and everything would just change yeah. to try and play footy. So uh, I think one day country footy, and that's that's probably the extent of my footy career. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> mate, reptiles. Uh, this is one fact that just keeps coming up with you religiously. This this obsession and uh, you've got the collection of interesting reptiles. This all started from a young a young boy, as we said. But um, how'd you get into it? Yeah, so growing up in Port Lincoln, obviously there was a lot of lizards over there. Especially, I had a um, pretty big block of land, so we had lizards everywhere. And uh, my grandpa was kind of into it, so we used to catch them together and whatnot. And uh, when I moved to Adelaide. I had a lot of pets growing up, like I kind of had a bit of everything because um, we had the space to do it. And when I moved to Adelaide, we only had the dog and, um, you know, I wanted something that was my own to look after and ended up getting a blue tongue and had a blue tongue for a couple of years and uh, got caught on the YouTube trap uh, and now I realized that there's a lot of different colors and patterns and whatever yeah. in blue tongues and they, 
they sell for a lot of money. So um, I was like, oh, I'll give it a crack and see if I can breed a few of them and, and make some money. So, you know, I think the best the best blue tongues you can breed go for about 10 grand at the moment. So um, giving it a good crack to I'm see in the how wrong it goes. Caper. I know you are, man. You've got to do it. It's very easy. It's very, very easy. Mate. But again, I think my my b- biggest reason for doing it is it gives me something away from swimming. Yes. Like, uh, yes. like I said, we spend so Never much time um, as professional athletes, like you know, and a lot of stress and, and time that goes into it. So having something that I can kind of escape to and, um, you know, I've got my Instagram page, which is KC Critters, and um, it's kind of given me a whole new world of friends and um, it does does give me something to do. Like I can come home and kind of do that for a couple of hours, kind of clean and feed things and um, gives me a good escape for now. Like it's uh, – I know there's definitely times where I'm like, oh, this is just too hard. I don't know why I'm doing this. Yeah. Or, you know, a lot of people think it's quite weird having – Having, I think I've got about 50 or 60 reptiles now, kind of cut down a fair bit at the moment, which is good. Wow. But um, Is it just lizards? Uh, I've got about 11 snakes, I think. I had, I've had heaps. I've had pretty well everything you could imagine, but it's all just trying to manage it. Like, obviously, like I go away for quite long periods of yeah. time and it's, uh, it's always hard finding people to look after that amount of reptiles. So, mum and dad are pretty good with that sort of thing, but... It's uh, it's a lot more manageable when there's only forty or fifty things out there. But yeah, I've got about ten snakes at the moment, fair few blue tongues, a fair few bearded dragons, um, wow. some frill neck lizards, kind of got it all. Um, but yeah, Mate, it, it you've has got been to a come, You've got to come to Sydney, man. There's that many lizards around here. I'm in Paddington, and I literally, I'll be walking around like which of those little? I think they're called sphinks. Are they sphinx? Skinks. Skinks. That's them. They're, yeah. They are literally like in my house always. Oh. I have to come over and wrangle a few of them. I had, <laughs> you can I had, have them. I had your captain come through and actually have a look at uh, look at my snakes and reptiles at one stage, which was pretty cool. How did was, he go? Uh, did he hold them? With that, he did hold a snake. He did hold one. But um, but yeah, Sam Sam my, is my next door neighbor's big source Jacobs. Yeah. And he sent me a message saying Phil and his partner are coming over to look at the reptiles. Wow. <laughs> and I went, oh yeah, Phil must be one of Source's mates. Like, yeah. didn't think much of it. I was just like, oh yeah, come through. I'm out the back in the reptile room. And yeah, obviously Phil Davis walked in and uh, kind of lost lost my words a little bit. I couldn't really uh, get out what I wanted to tell him about the facts about the reptiles and whatnot. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, very overwhelming. But something that I'll uh, cherish. And uh, he got a photo with a few of my snakes, which was pretty cool. And no, he would so have now loved I can that. say that I've had him come through, which is very exciting. Very exciting. No, he's a good man, filthy, and good good friend and alumni of the show. Um, yeah, good 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 friend of yours. What's your thoughts on turtles, mate? Because I, as a kid, was obsessed with them. Are you a turtle I, I man? Had, I did have two turtles actually. Sam, big source, got me one for my birthday actually, and uh, my girlfriend got me the other one. and And I had a tank with the with them in there, but they they outgrew them, so I had to move them on. But they are they're good animals, uh, make good pets, but they are. But yeah, they obviously require a little bit of bit of cleaning and maintenance, which uh, which I wasn't overly fond of, to be honest. Would it surprise you to tell you that I have rescued two turtles? Actually, sorry, You're one turtle, me. one tortoise. Yeah, where from? So this is it's this is the story. My old man was driving in the country. I'm going to cut it quite short. But he was driving in the country, and in the middle of the road, he knew that I loved turtles. As a young kid, I was about six. He's, yeah. he, there's this turtle in the middle of the road. So he's like, Jesus Christ. It was like 40 degrees um, in the middle of the road. So he's picked it up, put it in the boot with some water, and taken it back to where we were. Anyway, long story short, we've picked it up. Took it, you know, cleaned it up. This turtle was nearly dead. Oh. I've pretty much put it in my in my house. I have this like little 
back when I was in North Fitzroy living in the city, there was this little grass area with like water, um, dirt, obviously all this stuff. So I've put the turtle in there. It's absolutely loved it. Strengthened it up. It didn't like eat anything that I put out there. And we were just trying to get someone to take it like a reptile. If I knew you, I would have given it to you for free. And um, <laughs> Thanks, yeah, mate. mate, it basically just lived out the back for like a month until we could get someone to take it. Absolutely had the best time of its life. We ended up giving it to a, uh, a reptile a reptile bloke that knew my sister, um, gave it to him. He said it was unreal. But actually, it wasn't a turtle. It was a tortoise. Yeah, right. So I had water oh, out yeah. there and it never really went in the water because tortoises, as you know, they are land creatures. Yeah, interesting. That's very interesting. Wowee. Thanks for sharing that incredible story. And then I found, this is no this is no word of a lie, about six months later, I'm in Yarrawonga driving my bike and then, again, very hot day, looking down in this gutter and there's all this mud. And out of the corner of my eye, I see about a, it would have been literally about five centimetre shell of this tiny little, tiny little turtle stuck in the mud and I picked it up again, this, the the shell was about to melt. This thing was about to die. I've picked it up, put it in water again. Um, this was a turtle this time, so I did like the water. Um, swimming around again, kept it for a couple of weeks, strengthened it up, and bang, straight to the reptile cell. So I am officially a, um, a reptile nuffy. And yeah, um, you're a reptile nuffy, animal rescuer, <laughs> animal activist. I think you call yourself. But mate, I'm that's, telling you now, when I'm young, I, I don't think I could pick them up anymore. Really? What's that? I don't know. I just. I, I struggle to even walk outside these days. I see a pigeon and I just shit myself. <laughs> well, I, I think turtles are, they do carry a lot of bacteria and stuff, so they're not the best thing to touch anyway. But, mate, I'm, uh, I'm glad you're, you're a reptile <laughs> man from way back. We can connect over reptiles. 100%. That's when how we met. When I'm in Adelaide. Yeah, we met at a um, reptile. Um, a uh, function. Yeah, reptile function. Three-course meal. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much, Kyle. Really, really, really appreciate you coming on the show, bro. Incredible story. Um, you're a great dude. 2020 Olympics. Uh, can see you holding up there the gold again, mate. Thanks again. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it, mate. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. The Dylan Friends podcast is produced by me, Dylan and is edited by my great mate Ryan Miller. To keep notified on the release, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you listen. If you want to see more of myself and the podcast, please follow at Dill Buckley and at Dylan Friends on Instagram. And if you want to contact me directly, please email dillandfriends at outlook.com. And don't forget to be yourself because everyone else is taken. That was legitness. <laughs> was that it? Was that the word? <laughs>